Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, August 29th, 2023, Take Two. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. <laughs> and I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Hockey. So here's the thing. I screwed up a little bit and we recorded this podcast once. Grace was amazing. Like probably your best show ever, I think, Grace. And then it when was. I went to, yeah, it's sad. And then I went back to listen to it and I realized my audio was horrible. I we were having some technical issues and I switched things up and I didn't do it properly. So here we are recording again, back and better than ever, hopefully. Uh, I only hope, Grace, that you can somehow reach the pinnacle of your performance that you achieved in the first go round. Uh, no pressure, but good luck with that. Much like Tony Harding, I will try again. It's <laughs> a good reference. If you want to hear more of our references and incredible performances that we can only do once in our entire lifetimes, never to be had again, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, Grace, this is the story of the day, the story of the week, story of the year. I'm not sure. When I first saw the tweet about this first story, I sent it to you. And I'm gonna I'm scrolling up so I can read the responses that you sent to me as they as they arrived. I thought you might have known about this ahead of time because I can never keep track of what shows you you work on or at least your agency works on. But I sent you the tweet and you responded, "Oh my God!" One word, no space between my and God. Then you followed it with "stop" and then and then "stop" again. Um, and this is the news that there are two new stars coming into the Little Shop of Horrors off Broadway, and they are. Corbin Blue and Constance Wu. Of course, we talk quite a bit every time we have the opportunity to do so about how much we want Corbin Blue back on a New York stage, be that Broadway or off Broadway, because he's incredible. But this is, I mean, as far as I, I didn't go deep into her resume, but as far as I know, this is like Constance Wu's first big off Broadway show. She, of course, has been a star on both screens, large and small, everything from Crazy Rich Asians and Hustlers on the big screen to being one of the leads in the ABC sitcom Fresh Off the Boat. She also did the Center Theater Group's production of 222, which you saw in London. She did it over in L.A. When this was announced, Casey Mink, who previously worked at Backstage, she now works with one of the agencies and she's actually working on this show. She reshared an interview she had previously done at Backstage with Constance Wu, who talked about the fact that she had a little bit of a catch-22 going on with her career. She felt like she had to become a name on screen just to get work in theater. Well, now she's here. She's going to be getting, be getting performances as Audrey opposite Corbin Blue Seymour at the West Side Theater beginning on September 26th. They do not say how long their run is going to be, so I'm hoping it's going to be quite a while through the end of the year, perhaps. I think this would be two great stars to shepherd the show through the holiday season with. And Grace, I've seen this twice, once with the original cast with Groff and Tammy Blanchard. Then I went back and saw Conrad Ricamora with Tammy. And I feel like I'm coming in August and or in October and I got to go again. I leapt out of my skin. So Casey, yes. I think Casey works at Spotco. This is Spotco show. Um, okay. I... I like, like, like you said in the fables, um, repeating my text to you, a speechless, um, overcome. I was so fortunate to be invited as part of like a API celebration uh, when Conrad went on um, in the role of Seymour. I hadn't seen the show yet, and Little Shop is literally one of my favorite shows, so that was really magical. Like the idea that I might be able to see Asian Audrey is nutso magutso. I'm so excited. Yeah. I really am speechless. And and again, like we were uh, talking about like Christian Lewis's tweet about how oh, right, this right, right. show right 
rightfully so, has continued to shepherd an incredible casting. Um, they understand the assignment. It it does not disappoint. So far, so good. I'm really excited about what this might mean for, for the both of them. I mean, uh, Corbin just got off of an incredible run at Goodsweet Opera House um, in Summerstock, and this makes total sense why they couldn't keep extending because he's got to go into rehearsal for something else. So um, really excited about the West Side Theater uh, continuing to be the best off-Broadway, like, continued revival of Little Shop. I I just, I hope this goes on for years and years and years, and we continue to get more diverse casting here in these roles. Yeah, you mentioned the tweet that Christian Lewis, who is a a theater critic and and columnist, also a a doctor, has a PhD in... I think Victorian lit, I I think I'm not sure it works at Vassar and Brute College, but their tweet said, quote, this production, which is a delight, by the way, is such a great demonstration of dynamic and exciting casting that keeps things fresh. Doesn't feel as stunty as something like Chicago, but enough to get theater fans coming back to see it again. I know I'll be coming back for this duo. And I think that hits it right on the head. Every single cast change that they've done, whether it has been for Seymour and Audrey or or for uh, Dr. Oren Scrivello DDS and even, you know, some of the Mushniks and, and other people who have come in, it's felt really authentic and organic. Obviously, great stars have come into the show, Grace, including Corbin Blue and Constance Wu. And in in the social media video that they sent out, they refer to each other as Blue and Wu, which I thought was very funny. But it does. It just feels real you know not stunty like christian said bringing in someone like jerry springer or david hasselhoff to to be billy flynn or something but i think it it feels very much like we kept talking about with into the woods that this is a show like into the woods that many actors whether they are traditional theater people or not grow up in grow up loving grow up knowing the entire cast albums for and soundtracks for even when it comes to the movie version of of little shop of horrors so it just it just feels like there's going to be a line of people who want to do this show it's a phenomenal production it is so solid and it's at a great venue a great little off-broadway house it feels like you know you're getting up and you're doing a show it's fun uh, i just i hope that they just keep getting even more people and like you said grace that it's people who look different than what we normally think of as Audrey and Seymour. The only problem I see with this casting is, is that I know that our friend Robbie Rizal is has to be fuming mad that Corbin Blue was cast as Seymour. He's just too hot to be Seymour. You know what? Seymour is all of us. We are all Seymour. I don't believe in, in judging. Um, but I do understand, like, there's often been the sentiment of, like, the role of Seymour being created. And a lot of people feel like it's, it's one of the few character shrimpish Bach-esque type of roles that exist in the musical theater canon. You know, I do, but I think that, you know, I there's, so there's some merit, right. But at the same time, like keep that show open and, and maybe there will be another person like, look, Tom Holland, he a little shrimp. He's a strong shrimp. He's a spidey shrimp, but he's not working right now. Yeah, but he's also like really good looking shrimp. Like I think that it's it's more of the. Are you saying that? <laughs> saying that Seymour Cannon is ugly because Rick Moranis can rip my clothes off. I don't care. Like. <laughs> okay, first off, I am not saying this. This is Robbie's uh, thing. He does not think that that Seymour should be played by a hot person. That this is Robbie. If I'm getting That's your an insane if- sentiment, because guess what? That's subjective. And moveon.org. That's what I have to say. Rob, if I'm misrepresenting your your feelings on this, please text both Grace and I and we can clear this up. 
anyway, I can't believe you just said on a podcast that you know that is going to be out to people that Rick Moranis can rip my clothes off. That might be my new ringtone for every time you text me. Um, anyway, see, this produ- or this version of the show is better than the first one already. I can't believe you've done it, Grace. You never cease to amaze me. Um, all right. So let's move on to some other news. Uh, I think this came out over the weekend or, or late late last week. But Deadline has a an entire article looking at all of the films that are scheduled for the back half of 2023 and whether or not they're representative uh, studios and companies are currently planning to keep them where they are or if they are going to push them later into 2024 or beyond. The one that we are most specifically interested in is the Warner Brothers film uh, The Color Purple, which is the movie adaptation of the musical adaptation of the movie adaptation of the book. If you can follow all of that there, that was originally scheduled to come out in theaters on Christmas Day 2023 and as of now, that is still the plan. While other things like Dune Part 2 has been pushed back, the fate of of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is still kind of up to the up in the air. That's still sticking right now for December 20th as is the Wonka movie uh, with Timothy Chalamet. Not shrimpish. I think he's kind of tall, but he's he's skinny. He he could be a Seymour, I think. But I think this is great, Grace. I think there's a lot of things that go into making these decisions. But the color purple feels to me like it is a holiday film, even though it, like, it's not about the holidays. It's not like a Christmas movie, but it feels like a holiday release because there's something grand and spe- uh, spectacular about it. And I feel like if you push it into 2024, you would almost have to wait for the holidays in 2024. And then you start competing with Wicked uh, and all of those things. So I feel like this is a the smart move to do here. I know it's a complicated situation, but I'm I'm very glad that we're going to get the opportunity to see the color purple this year, even if it does bring up, uh, you know, some some difficulties for everybody involved with the current ongoing SAG after strike. This is what's so upsetting, right, is that we are getting, you know, we were just talking about this with Blue Beetle, especially I was talking to some content creators and people in the SAG space and everything about how, like, we have to work so hard, you know, like the you know global majority, but for this conversation, quote minorities for, you know, getting these big works produced, especially the color purple, which has been so widely, you know, held in high regard. And the community just like loves this show and this piece, it finally making its way to movie theaters. And then all of these great people that help make this film happen can't talk about it. And that's that's really frustrating, you know, because we support the strike and and we support all those things. And I think that, like, what we're missing out on is, you know, perhaps a jumping off pad on the next phase of uh, Fantasia's career. And yeah. um, she deserves as much as anybody else for her incredible hard work to be able to be on Jimmy Fallon and to talk about that and to say, like, and I'm here, quote unquote, but also like come, you know, like book her for something else. Like it's it's incredibly frustrating because at the end of the day, I just want these people to be successful and to have other projects lined up after this. And a huge part of that is in the press. And when they are uh, promoting this project, people take note of it. And then that's how they're pushed forward on other things. So I'm very nervous, excited and scared. Yeah. To I- quote Sondheim. Yeah, very well done. We're going to get to him here in a minute. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Fantasia Barino is the one for me who I am most 
nervous for a bit about this aspect of it. The cast in this film is ridiculous. Fantasia Barino not only played Celie on Broadway in the first production of The Color Purple Musical, then she did it on tour, but also in the cast are Taraji P. Henson, Danielle Brooks, Coleman Domingo, Corey Hawkins, Her, Sierra, Halle Bailey, Anjanou Ellis, Louis Gossett Jr., David Allen Greer, Elizabeth Marvel, John Batiste. Like, it's an amazing cast, but especially Fantasia Barino, who really doesn't act a whole lot. You know, she she appears as herself in some things here or there, but she really doesn't do a whole lot of acting. And everybody who saw her in The Color Purple, either on Broadway or on tour, just raved about how incredible she is. So, like, this is something that could be, you know, very much like Jennifer Hudson, where, who does a movie musical. She's just a singer. She's both American Idol, obviously. And then it just catapults you into superstardom. And I think this is an opportunity for Fantasia. But and while I'm sure the performance will be incredible and people are going to love it, like you said, Blue Beetle was very well received, but it's kind of faded because none of nobody who's involved with that film has the opportunity to talk about it. And I haven't seen it. Like that's something that I should have seen opening weekend, but like the hype just wasn't there. So I, I am nervous about that with her. And even Danielle Brooks, who obviously is a star on both stage and screen, but this could be an opportunity for her to kind of have a bigger breakout too. But we'll have to see if that actually happens. I, you know, not you to know, die. Go ahead. No, no. While we're talking about it, Miss Danielle Brooks and Mr. Can't See Him, John Cena, when are we getting Peacemaker new seasons? Oh I know that we're on a strike, but um, I can't unhear eagerly. <laughs> like, I miss all of it so much. So I just I'm throwing that out there as well. Like, while we're while we're dealing with all of this, like, come on. Yeah, James Gunn, who is the writer-director of Peacemaker, he is now in charge of all DC movies and television, so he's a little busy writing a new Superman movie. He has said that they're going to get back to it, but quite possibly the best opening credits of any TV show I've seen in the last 10 years, 20 years. It's been a long time. I love that show. All right, let's get into some show and casting news here, Grace. Uh, It was announced on, I guess that would have been Saturday that the Center Theater Group's production of Peter Pan Goes Wrong, playing at the Amundsen Theater, will play an extra week instead of closing on September 10th. It will now run through September 17th. But here's the rub. Bradley Whitford, who was the special guest star and doing the narrator role of Francis, his run ended on this past Saturday or Sunday. Daniel Day Kim is scheduled to come in starting on Wednesday and will be with the show through September 10th. But they needed a guest star to come in and wrap up that final week. So who did they bring in? But the first special guest star from Broadway, Neil Patrick Harris. So if you haven't been able to get tickets to see Peter Pan Goes Wrong, if the timing didn't work for you, you do have an extra week, September 12th through the 17th at the Amundsen with NPH in the role. In other news, sticking out on that side of the country, this one is... a. Probably more complicated than we have the opportunity to discuss here because we don't have a lot of information. But last week, Grace, you and I discussed the fact that Zachary Noah Pizer had been announced to be leading the company of Tiananmen, a brave and necessary musical at the Phoenix Theater Company. Just one day after that announcement was made on his social media, Zachary posted a very simple message, no details whatsoever, but just said, I have withdrawn from the musical Tiananmen and then had a signature and the date. Didn't allow comments, so there wasn't any conversation. We don't really know what this is all about. I know Playbill has reached out to everybody involved and has not gotten in any information, although they did note that Pizer had been involved with the production all the way back uh, since 2015. So this is something that Zachary has been a part of for a long time. 
apparently did not feel it was in his best interest to move on uh, to continue with it. I'm going to guess because of the way that he worded his message that this is not a scheduling thing. Like he booked another gig and had to go somewhere else. It sounds like there was something more than that. I don't want to speculate on that, what that is. And Grace, I know you especially don't want to. uh, I don't want to, but I do want to say this. The timing of that announcement was also timed with him performing in China. Like he was overseas in China performing exactly. Yes. Um, I mean, which you could see from his social media. That's not like an inside thing, but so I, I think that the timing was incredibly challenging. I'm not sure if he was aware of that timing um, or what, but it wasn't lost on me to see that timing take place for how oh, challenging wow. it was. He's he's totally, he's safe, he's taken care of. But I think that, yeah, it's it's really, it's hard. Um, I'm, I'm curious if Kennedy Kanagawa is staying on because um, those were the two people that we reported in casting. But the show yeah. has been going on for some time and I'm curious to see um, what unfolds from here. But we'll see. Uh, I don't follow Zachary on social media, so I did not realize that. That certainly adds an an interesting wrinkle to this whole conversation. All right, let's come back to Broadway here real quick. And it was announced yesterday that in honor of Back to Hogwarts season, which I'm assuming is just a back-to-school season, the Broadway production of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child has announced a very special initiative happening on Friday, September 1st. The first 50 tickets that are sold at the box office when it opens at 10 a.m. for that evening's performance will be sold for $9.75. Now, Grace, I'm going to do this bit like I like we did originally, like I didn't know what we were talking about, but I, I do now. So I'm going to pretend like I still don't because we've already done this once. But Grace, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this $9.75 price has to do with what it's like a like a like the train platform that people go they take <laughs> to go to Hogwarts, right? Am I what? Am I, do I have that right? It is. It is platform okay. nine and three quarters. Yes. Okay. Great. Right. Nine seventy five. Okay. I knew it was something. I just couldn't put my finger on exactly what it was. So, uh, Grace, you and I famously went and saw Harry Potter and the Cursed Child for the first time together with my niece and my brother. Um, I think you're going back. Maybe. I am going back to Hogwarts. We and just to clarify again, like we um, saw the one. I'm calling it the one act yes. version, even though it's a full <laughs> two. To, to act play. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I'm I'm returning to Hogwarts again in the coming weeks uh, to, to check it out once more. Um, so I'm really excited to see. I, I, w- I think I was so overwhelmed, like in a good way, but also oh, yeah. in an overstimulated way with how much they do in that theater. Like it's not just like a you walk in like you would any other Broadway house, because I know there are a lot of rules around like, regulations, not because of a lack of creativity. Um, there's certainly not that on Broadway. But I think that when you walk in, the way that they have renovated and the work that they have put in to make it a, a full experience was not lost on me. And I just I kept like not hearing Matt when we were talking in the lobby because I was just kind of like looking around like, well, <laughs> OK, so me. does that just you know, and then like intermissions would happen and things would flip. And I'm just like, oh, you know, I don't want to give any of the magic away, um, but I think it's just it's incredible. And I can't wait this time to kind of be a little bit more aware of myself because it's almost Dementor season, baby. It's happening. It is getting very close. Uh, all right, Grace, let's wrap up with a feel, I guess, a feel good recommendation. But this one comes from Vulture and it comes from the great op-ed columnist and essayist and theater and film critic Frank Rich, who also, I I didn't know this, Grace, did you know that he was an executive producer on Succession? Yes. (laughs) I knew this when we were working on um, the Assassin's album, like how big of a deal it was for him to to write that forward uh, in the most recent John Doyle revival of Assassins. Uh, If you look in the the booklet of that album designed famously by Robbie Rizal, 
I, I obviously I respect and admire Frank's work immensely. Um, so just to just to piggyback on what you're saying. Yeah. So this article comes from Frank Rich and I'm just going to read you this title because it's a little overwhelming, but it's the final Sondheim, the complete from beginning to end story of how Stephen Sondheim, David Ives and Joe Mantello created the musical. Here we are. And this is a long read. I have not gotten through all of it because it came out while I was working on Monday and haven't had a chance to go through it, but I've read a decent amount of it. But he that's exactly what he does. He chronicles the entire beginning, middle and end, uh, like it said, of how this all started, how it happened. And one of the stories that I did get to in the in the piece, it's actually fairly early on before he gets into kind of a Q&A section. It, it appears that like nobody, including Joe and David, knew that Sondheim had finished the score for this before he died, because we we all know the stories about how Sondheim was a, you know, a, a kind of a, not proud, but a, a somebody who talked about his procrastination quite a bit and missed deadlines, just blew through them. And we had heard that, I think he actually said it on the Colbert show, show that he'd finished the first act, uh, all, all the songs, and was going to dive into the second act. And this was a few years before he died, but we never really heard much about it after that. There had been readings and workshops that we talked about here on the show. But apparently after he died, maybe they f- figured out that he had finished everything. But it, it's just fascinating to me. All of these people are incredibly talented. I'm so excited to be, ha- be able to see this when I come to town in October. But Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Finish- brag, brag, brag away. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, but the great article. I can't wait to finish reading it. It's it's really magical. And of course, the cast is insane. They're already in rehearsals. So um, very much looking forward to everything. Here we are. And another round of like having new Sondheim stuff to talk about every single day for the next, I don't know, year or, you know, however long we, we, we are talking about this. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk about that until we die. Yeah. I, I was first floored by, I mean, the, the creation of this article is fantastic, but also the, the photographs that were used mm-hmm. of all three of them, uh, first Sondheim. And then, uh, just, just want to shout out the fact that like, I went kind of ad nauseum, like it, it, it went on far too long, which I, I think is what broke Matt's <laughs> audio, um, was just me now, going on and on. <laughs> your audio still sounds really good. So I can go drop in this entire Joe Mantello section you had in the first version of this uh, episode, if you want. Why not? Sure. Yeah. I don't want to try to redo that after, after the, no, no I'm, we're going to, we're going to keep going from here. I'm keeping this in. <laughs> After the the outro music, I'm going to go find everything we did where Grace raves about how much she loves Joe Mantello. And then we start riffing on the fact that, like, Joe Mantello gave her partner their first Broadway credit. So we get into all of that. So we'll we'll wrap up this section. But then after the music, you can listen to all of that. Deal? Perfect. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this uh, wacky second episode of today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me pretty much everywhere on social media at BWW Matt Grace. Where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms for the time being and unfortunately at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Tuesday and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. Don't forget, after this music, we're going to go into some other stuff, some bonus material only here on Broadway Radio. the photo of Joe Mantello alone um, and of course like Sondheim and David in, in the Vulture article I would die for this man that's something I don't know if our listeners know this I didn't I, know that I would I would lay down my life for Joe Mantello <laughs> I love him what, so why? much what is, what, what is it about him I, I think that he is one of should be one of our most celebrated actor director performer uh, just all around 
um, Renaissance man, uh, especially in the theatrical community, I think I trust him so much in his direction. Even when I disagree with something, I know that there was so much thought and intention there. I remember I spent one of my last dollars to see him on stage in uh, the Glass Menagerie, just so yeah. that I could see him act. Cause I, I, he doesn't do it as much anymore, but you know, between like normal heart, it's just, I. I really, I, I, I could cry thinking about how incredible. Like I, I just high him. In, I, 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 I put him in such high regard. And even with like his direction of um, dogfight, I just, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I think he's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't love a person more than giving my my partner their Broadway debut in Wicked. Like he literally like went, or they, you know, they went from. Uh, dogfight to, to that one and it's just it's incredible and I hope that I you know how I feel about naming more theaters after men we don't need them but if I'm a <laughs> like I hope that before my time on this earth is over that we have a Joe Mantello theater on Broadway I firmly believe that that should be the case so yeah first the prince then him <laughs> <laughs>